Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is Alan K. Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Greetings and welcome in on a Tuesday morning, 69 degrees in the capital city on KLIN. Glad to have you with us on this June 20th, 2023. My goodness, it's getting it's getting light out early. I know this happens every year. I should calm down. I don't know. It's it was weird though. I got out of I got out of bed today and there's a little sunlight peeking through the window. I was like, this this is very early for this to be happening. Yeah, it was not br- not as easy to sleep in right now. It was bright enough. I I fired off a text and I was like, oh, that person's probably not going to be awake for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it's a little it bit feels, later in the morning. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, got a good show for you today. My last show before being gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, but we got it filled up. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, will join us. Jason Ball from Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. John Baylor will join us as well. Our first chance, our first chance to talk to uh, JB since Nebraska Volleyball schedule came out and uh, the trip from Brazil. And, uh, yeah, a lot of news there with Nebraska Volleyball. So we'll get into uh all that with him. So yeah, we are uh, we are busy today on an historic day in Lincoln, Nebraska. Frankly, today I definitely didn't think I was probably ever going to see, especially about five years ago. You're still not going to see it because you will not be here. That's right. I, I, the, <laughs> uh, Lincoln for the first time is going to be offering uh, sports wagering, which. We knew it's coming, but as uh, Bick reported there in the news, it officially kicks off at the Warhorse Casino. Like, j- just because this has all kind of gradually come about. Yeah, they probably need to slow down with how quickly they're moving. Well, just because the whole thing with the voting and the gambling and the opening of the temporary casino the, and, and and sort of just even the gradual, the gradual sort of rollout of sports gambling in the country as a whole over the course of the last several years. Like it, you kind of forget how unthinkable that this is, mm-hmm. or would have been to us, any of us, not too long ago. Yeah, that's that. Not only not not only casino gambling, but especially sports gambling, because there was casino gambling. I mean, there was casino gambling in Sioux City and Minnesota and right. um, Kansas City and 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 Council Bluffs, yep. obviously, all of those places, but. They didn't have sports gambling at those places you, not long ago. No. Just a few years ago. Like, it was still this thing where that was pretty much Las Vegas or doing it illegally. And what was it, like 2019-ish that you could start doing it in Iowa? Uh, yeah, it might be. I can't remember. I, you would probably know better than me because it well, was while I, you were there. I right? know it was very new when I was there. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when I was there, you had to, because they have mobile uh, mobile betting in, right. in Iowa, you still had to go to the casino, to the sports book, to set up your account, put in your first deposit, and then from there you could do it all on the app. You no longer even have to go into the casino to the sports book to set up your account anymore. Right. But so if you take maybe five, maybe six years back in this mm-hmm. country, mm-hmm. and you're living in, in Lincoln, and you say, you think, you think there'll ever be sports gambling in Lincoln, Nebraska? You're like, whoa. Take it easy. I don't even think there's ever going to be any in Council Bluffs. I don't think there's going to be any, right? I mean, and maybe if you're reading the tea leaves, you'd knew it. But for within six years, 
or seven years or whatever it was. I can't quite remember how the timeline of the national stuff went. But for in seven years from it changing to not happening anywhere to Las Vegas to right here in old Lincoln, Nebraska, mm-hmm. it's uh, <laughs> it's something where things have moved quickly. It's it, And it does make you kind of wonder because I even remember probably 10 years ago, we would ask kind of hypothetical questions on this show. And we were like, what do you think will be legal first in Nebraska? Will it be legalized gambling or it will be will it be legalized marijuana? Or we would throw out other other things that it might have been. And the gambling thing went from yeah, not not happening. It's been rejected at the ballot before. Mm-hmm. It's not they have, you know, it's the legislature's rejected it over and over again. It's been rejected at the ballot before. And then all of a sudden one petition initiative comes out, makes it happen, and boom, doesn't take long for the casinos to get open and boom. A little while later, you've got a sports book in Lincoln, and you're eventually going to have them in Omaha and Grand Island and Columbus, and mm-hmm. where I can't remember where the rest of them where the rest of them are. But the very first one is going to be here, and so it it does just maybe it goes to show you that when you're sure that the state is set in its ways in a certain direction, for better or for worse, when you're sure the state is set, maybe that's not true. Maybe that's not true because, like, there's a there's a part of me that thinks, especially when it comes to recreational marijuana, where there's clearly a clearly a pattern right now going on with the state, or or you can pick. I mean, I'm sure you can pick another policy issue where it's kind of going state by state over the years and and changing. Um, it still seems like okay. That's not never going to be something that either the legislature or the people voting are are going to go for. But maybe I should learn my lesson. Maybe I should learn my lesson from the way gambling went. Well, and here's here's the thing because you talk about six seven years ago, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a thing that you could realistically think about doing sports gambling outside of right because it took because yeah. there was the it was called the professional and amateur sports protection act right and that was passed in 92 and then in 2018 the supreme court deemed it unconstitutional and that's the same year that you saw it roll out in new jersey the next year iowa and several other states so for nebraska to only 5 years since that i this is actually kind of quick for 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 a state that you look at where the politics can, tend to lean conservative and stay away from the vices for it to have only cuz it was it was voted on in it was voted on in 20 right or 2020 um that's a good question i can't remember the year oh the last 3 years blend together for me so that right. makes sense probably the presidential election yeah, yeah it was voted on in 2020 so it was on the ballot only about two years after it was even a thing, states could really ramp up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, the people who stood to make money on it had their stuff together and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Right now, the the rollout since then has obviously taken a little bit, yeah. but yeah. but yeah, Thursday three well, o'clock is when that book will officially oh, okay. open on Thursday. We were uh, just out of curiosity. Caleb and I were like, okay, let's. Is there? Let's say hypothetically, I'm not going to, but let's say hypothetically, I was going to make a wager or, or on sports. I wanted to see what was offered, essentially, mm-hmm. what you could do if they had a, a a website or something where I could see 
what the current odds were, if they would change or something like that. There's nothing online like that anywhere right, right now. The only thing we can find is that a company named Combi, K-A-M-B-I, uh, about a month ago it was re- restored, reported in a lot of industry sources that Warhorse had basically reached a deal with Combi, which is from Stockholm, um, to to kind of do the provide the uh, sports betting solutions at the properties, so to speak. So that, that I think that means Caleb, the, the kiosks you have kiosks. I think you can do kiosks like touchscreen kiosks mm-hmm. that you can go into that they would do. Um, and then s- some of the other products that, that go along, whatever the whole, the whole system that it takes right. the, uh, the process, or you can go to a window. And so I'm sure they've got yeah. things that the operator uses there as well. Yeah. I'm curious if it's going to be, like it's specifically combi or because they're, they're the or do pl- they contract with because a- they're the platform for yeah. a bunch of others like DraftKings, like pen which bought out barstool like uh, several others yeah i can't find much information on that like what the actual cuz usually there are major you know major odds makers that yeah. the casinos will use to, to oh, kind yeah, of be yeah. the, the betting. Is yeah, it going to be BetMGM? Is right. it going to be William Hill? Is it going to be this or yeah, that? Yeah, those sorts of things. We don't. I I don't know that. At least if if uh, if I figure out what that is, but guess I'm making a call after the show. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, there we are. Um, I don't know. It's something that I will ever do, but <laughs> well, I was I was <laughs> just, interested in just seeing what was available, and then knowing okay, the NBA draft is Thursday night. You you know who's going to know go number one, but Hey, maybe let's have some fun with number two. Right. Put two dollars down or something. Yeah. And then do they potentially have futures out for the Nebraska football season win total? Yeah. Okay, well I assume they will. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming they will too. Just like I want to see that. You know, like because typically when you have if they would have announced that it was going to be, let's say, Bet MGM. Right. Well, I would have pulled up all the Bet MGM lines and been like, okay, cool. What looks interesting? Yeah. I, I don't what I'm about to say I don't think is a problem but I think it might be true. I think there pe- people who w- would be potentially interested in doing this have probably already experienced it in states where it's legal or other ways that it's illegal through in their own home or the own place they want to be on their phone. Iowa. Which Iowa <laughs> is the biggest one but other states yeah. where that has been I think it's going to be hard if they got used to that to transfer to this, mm-hmm. right? Again, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I honestly think it's a really good thing because I think that I think the doing it on a mobile device from the the comfort of your own couch and the way that they offer those can be incredibly mm-hmm. addictive mm-hmm. for people. And this at least is a little bit above a buffer. I'm not saying it's going to absolve it of right. issues like that, but I just kind of question how many people are going to once it's like it's like kind of going back in time technology wise to to do it the way that you'll have to do it yeah. here. I'm curious. Like I can't imagine like going there with my buddies, right? I just I have to see maybe. what I have to see when when everything is opened up and what it looks like. Will it will it have kind of a a sports bar feel, but you can also yeah, go make maybe, a bet type yeah. of thing. So it, it all depends on what it ultimately looks at. I'm curious if it's going to draw if at all people from Omaha who don't have the sports book there yet, but most of them probably have an Iowa app on their phone, 
where yeah. they just get across the river. Right. Or they, or they can go, or they can just drive. Yeah, why yeah, would they come like, to Lincoln? Like, like they're closer to do that yeah. than come down to or Lincoln. Go to the per, or go to the actual Right, ones. yeah, or just go there. Yeah. Um, I'm also wondering how long does it take in the state? How long does it take to, one, get it so that you can do the mobile wagering away from the casinos and the racetracks? And two... I think that's how, a while. I don't how, know that there's a, how many how many seasons does it take of going through Husker football and basketball and baseball and all of those things before the legislature says, "Yeah, we should take out that you can't can't bet on in-state yeah. teams that, when they're playing." At I think home. that's got a chance of going away because I don't think I think that was sort of a unique deal. Although I think it, that's the same case in Iowa too. I think no, really. I I read the. Are you sure? I'm yeah. pretty sure I read that there is another state where that's off to look that up. But um, anyway, nonetheless, maybe it was a different state. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it was and, a different state than Iowa. Yeah, Nebraska is not the first. They one. did try it in a different state, but then they rolled that back really quick. In Iowa, everyone is going to bet on that those Cyhawk games. Okay. Um, <laughs> maybe yeah, I could be wrong. It must have been another state that I was thinking of. But as for the, fu- I don't think there's going to be a. I, I I hope there isn't a race to go to expand this thing right away to the phone things, even though the prop, the casinos will probably want to, mm-hmm. but there's just, that's still a new enough thing to have that available. I'm fine with waiting and seeing exactly what's happening in other states with that. Yeah. But, by the way, look at all the college sports gambling scandals that have happened in the last few months, which yeah. I gu- guarantee a hundred percent of those phone apps. Uh, no, actually, not a hundred percent. I'm getting fact checked. No, no, no. It, it's only because it's only because I read so much about what was going on with the Alabama one. Okay, is that they were they were the reason that they were able to get them on some of it. They got on camera, and then there was a little bit on some apps. But they someone went into an actual sports book, and I don't know if they, you can do the phone app in Alabama. I'm not actually sure. But yeah. Anyway, in Iowa, I bet the Iowa ones were with the phone app. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. So sitting in the dorm room. Yep. All right. In any case, weather wise, today we are looking at a high of 93. So, yeah, kind of where we were. Yes. The thing about, I, dare I say something? Not terrible. It was, it was definitely hot. And I, if you worked outside all day, unlike me, you're probably going to slap me in the face. But mm-hmm. it wasn't that humid. It wasn't that humid. I didn't think yesterday. I didn't it wasn't think bad. Yesterday I, mowed, was bad. I mowed last night and I was like all. Psyching myself up because it was going to suck and wasn't too bad. It was. Think. It wasn't bad. It was a little too hot to have our toddler out there at times, so we tried to like keep her inside more. I started getting fidgety inside. Yeah. Because all weekend, all we did was okay, we're going to go here and do this, and then okay, it's kind of nap time, and then we went and did that. And then on Father's Day, it was like, all right, zoo, nap, pool, grill, and yesterday I was just like. I've been inside too long. Like I started getting, I was like, "All right, it needs to cool down a little bit. I can take my family outside. And we can just run around. Yeah, cool it down five degrees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, but I did get that. I get did get the final uh, lawn mowing done before vacation. Good. Uh, we're just giving the uh, the neighbor kid the option uh, if he if it looks like it needs to be. I don't like. I don't. I might not. It might not need to be mowed again in two weeks. <laughs> if it doesn't rain. I mean, or the. I mean, the stupid thing about my lawn right now is that there are parts of it. There are parts of it that I don't think will grow again this summer. <laughs> there are also parts of it that still grow at the normal rate. 
And so it looks even worse if you don't, if you let it get overgrown at some point. It's not like the whole thing. It's just like you have like big layers of different mm-hmm. heights. What parts, uh, specific parts in your lawn that are used to having the, the dog go on it? Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Okay, I can bring my dogs by just so your lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the ones that grow are the ones that he is not, he is not near <laughs> the front yard, the front yard, for example. Yes, definitely. But. In any case, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of what we're going on. Another good day at the uh, College World Series yesterday in Omaha. It looked hot there. but Yeah, it looked hot. Phenomenal baseball yeah. being played. A lot so, of jello shots being sold. A Merle Haggard record being broken. Merle Haggard? Oh, the, the amount of shots that the were The number bought. of shots being that purchased was, I didn't know Merle time. Haggard. Didn't the Raising Canes guy break it? Yeah. That guy was in studio here once <laughs> when they opened the Raising Canes here. They brought him here. That's awesome. Years ago. Yeah, so I met that guy. Um, so yeah, all kinds of records. I've got those numbers coming up in sports. Uh, what airline are you flying out on? Uh, United. Okay, as long as it's not Spirit. Why? They had to make an emergency landing oh, in Lincoln that. yesterday. And did you see how yellow the plane was? Those planes are aggressively yellow. That was the yellowest plane I've ever seen in my life. It was going from Detroit to Los Angeles. It's like if Banana Boat had wings. Yeah, it was uh, going from Detroit to Los Angeles. Landed at Lincoln about one thirty yesterday. Um, they they had to bring in a different plane to finish the flight. Um, so they had to bring in a flight from Kansas City, and they got people out at that point. And it was a they had a suspected mechanical issue. So yeah, I would suspect that as well. Uh, still not as bad of a uh, not as bad of a travel problem as another one that we're going to bring up in the sound off oh. today. And a, is, and a little bit cheaper as well. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll tell you about that here coming up here in about ten minutes. All right, it's six twenty-five right now. Sixty-eight degrees in the capital city. Already down a degree. How about that? U.S. K today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Severe weather means interruptions, check closings, and cancellations anytime at KLIN.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. All right, welcome back, 635. Glad to have you back with us Tuesday morning. A little bit later, oh, about a half hour from right now plus, half hour plus, we will be talking to George Jordan from News Channel Nebraska. Uh, A little bit later in the show today, Jason Ball is going to join us from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, and we'll also have John Paler joining us as well. So that is all coming up today. Uh, let's see. What do we have to start with today? Uh, let's get the politics out of the way first here with this. I got a couple of 
couple of those. One's not so much politics, but just government. But but first, a presidential election. Ah, yes, the constant debate over the order of the primaries in 2024. Changes, they're coming, sort of. So the Democrats want to put South Carolina further up in the primaries this year. So the question is, do the Republicans do the same, or where does South Carolina go in the order of the elections? Keep in mind, you've got, what, two candidates? Is, uh, isn't uh, Nikki Haley, obviously, is, uh, Tim Scott's from South Carolina too, right? Mm-hmm. I believe Tim Scott's from South Carolina. By the way, what's the deal with, with South Carolina and Florida like giving us the entirety of the Republican field, pretty much. What's the deal who's, with the South? Who's not? Who's not from one of those te- two states at this point? H. The Hutchinson is from Arkansas. Christie's from New Jersey. Uh, there's probably a couple other ones as well. Where's that Ras- uh, Vivek Rasamaway guy from? I, I I bet he's not from Georgia or, or excuse me, South Carolina or, or Florida. Um, maybe he is. I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't have any kind of a like a. When he talks, he doesn't have any kind of a southern drawl whatsoever. He was born in Ohio. Oh, Ohio. Okay. He's only five years older than me. <laughs> Jeez. DeSantis is way younger than you think, too. What's, what's DeSantis? I would, how, old I would you think, how old do you think DeSantis is? 47. Oh, I, think I think that's close. Look it up. I think that's... You're sitting there in front of your own computer. Jeez. No, I was <laughs> 44. 44. I'm older than DeSantis. Oh, I'm older than DeSantis. How about that? that that's a fun game. Find oh. the candidates between our ages. Okay. <laughs> well, do you think Nikki Haley's definitely older than older than me, right? She's in her upper four. No, she's in her low fifties, right? Fifty-one. Fifty-one. I nailed that one. Tim Scott got to be in his low. F- uh, he's in his fifties, right? God. Fifty-seven. Oh, okay. Uh, Christie, he's in his fifties. Got to be in his 50s. He's not 60. Look at all these young, spry candidates that are available for people. Chris Christie? I'm going to say 50s. 60. Ooh. He's a young-looking dude. He's not doing bad. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. That mayor, I don't even know that mayor of Miami's name or the the North Dakota governor guy. He looks like he's in his 60s. But can it, problem is, this is a bad sign for the campaign. Can't think of his name right now. Um, Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami. I have no. I saw him on TV when Trump came. I don't know, fifties, forty-five, forty-five, same age as me. It's time to get some Gen Xers in there. Let's go. That's what I'm voting. I'm not voting for a party this year. Whichever, whichever party brings me a Gen Xer to the ballot, to the general ballot. That's who I'm voting for. Where did we challenge? Neither of them are going to. Do it, you cowards. Where's the cutoff between Gen X and Millennial? Well, I I, I think it's we had that list on our on our uh show sheet. I know I'm kind of on the edge, so it's probably about 5 years younger than me, 3 to 5 years younger than me. So I would say between probably about 40. Millennials are probably turning about 40. Go to a Thursday show sheet and we've got it on there. Right. We've got Mark has the guide. From there, what, but, what was last Thursday? I want to guess. 15th? I deleted it off there. Go back to like the eighth. <laughs> go back to like the eighth, or, uh, I'll, or go, I'll go all the way back to that. The that first was our official. Game. Those were our official rules for generation collaboration. Um, I want to say probably like 1982, maybe 81, 80, maybe in that range would would be where it is. 
you could probably say is a general in the 40s. There it is. All right, here we go. So millennials, 81. Started in 81. 81, okay. Guess what, Vivek? Getting my vote. Is Vivek a millennial? Yeah, baby. Barely. Let's go. You said he was how old? 37. Oh, really? He's 37? Yeah. All right, so you got your millennial kid. Wouldn't it be fun if we were super partisan about generation instead of party? (laughs) I mean, it'd be different kinds of wars we'd be having. I mean, this is the best place to talk about this being the uh, the, the the intergenerational show that it is, but it's time, because we haven't had a non-boomer president. We haven't had a non, we haven't had anything younger than a boomer president before. Obama is a, Obama's a boomer. Obama's a boomer. Mm-hmm. Clinton's a boomer, I mean, obviously. And and then you get older than that. They're in generations prior to that. Yeah. And I, I sort of think if Trump and Biden keep going, you're just going to skip Generation X as chance. Because the next president, after, if they go for another, one of those two guys goes for another four, goodness sakes, eight years. That's hard to even imagine, by the way. What are we doing? Another eight years. Then uh, I think you're, they're just going to go to a millennial next because then the millennials are going to be 48. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're going to be almost 50 at that point. So I got to choose from... Either that or now we're just going to consistently be rolling out 70s for the candidates. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that might be too. And and then it may, I guess there still could be boomers after that then too. What's uh what's uh, Gavin Newsom? What's he strike you as first? Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's probably older than he looks. Okay. You can probably count on that. I'm going to say 50. I'll go 58. I don't think quite that high. I'll say like 53. 55. Okay, split the difference between me and you. 55. On that one. Okay. Who else am I forgetting? Uh, did you ever think of the North Dakota governor's name by any chance? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> but, but again, bad news for your campaign. Doug Borgum. That dude looks like, I mean... I think he he made a ton. He's in his sixties, definitely sixty six. Yeah, as a matter of fact, he's definitely sixties. Makes him a young guy in this race. I don't know, North Dakota governor. <laughs> so that's another. So that's that's probably another. Where's the boomer cutoff in uh, in the age? What's the up, upper end of Generation X according to our guide? According to our guide, you have to have been. It's nineteen sixty five is the start of Gen X. Okay, so that would be age uh, fifty eight. So it's ages, it's about ages 42 to 58 right now. Yeah. Which is where most of the candidates are that we've we've discussed here so far. Uh, RFK Jr., that's, he's a boomer. Yeah. I don't know how old, I can't quite tell how old he is though, but I'm going to guess he's a... 69. Yeah, he's definitely a boomer. I didn't think he looked that old. I'm all in on Vivek now. Kennedy's... I don't even care policy. <laughs> so you got is that the only millennial? What's uh who else who else am I forgetting that's running? That that at least, that's not like I mean not, that's not like Larry Elder or someone. Um <laughs> There's talk about she hasn't put her name in but there's always talk about Christy Nome running but she, she's definitely not a millennial, right? I don't think so. What's she? Uh, this is the governor of 51. Oh, okay. Even a little little older than I thought. All right. So, 
as I is scroll it, through, DeSantis, Trump, Nikki Haley, yeah, we did that Mike one. Pence, Tim Poets, Scott. Pe- Pence. It's hard to tell how old Pence is, to be honest. I mean, he's uh, he's in his 60s, I assume, but I'm not totally sure. 64. Like, I don't think you can go by his hair color. <laughs> no. I feel like he was that hair color when he was 27. He he skipped gray and went straight to white, <laughs> yeah. and it did not help. Yeah, you, we all, you always know people like, like that. I kind of feel like that's what he was. Ted Cruz. He's younger than everyone thinks. I know he's younger than everyone thinks. Um, In his 50s, low 50s. 52. Yeah. He seems way older than that. This uh, Politico lists Ryan Binkley. I have no idea who that is. He's a Dallas area businessman. Oh, he's uh... and a non-denominational pastor. <laughs> yeah, where has this guy been? That sounds interesting. That sounds like Atros Perot on steroids. I'm going to guess he's very rich too. I have no idea who Ryan Binkley is because I just heard or how old he is because I just heard of him right now. Um. Man, I, that's not even his actual Wikipedia page. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. That, wait, you can't run for president if you don't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> you absolutely can't. He's, I think he's got an Instagram. Uh, let's see if we've missed anybody else. Scott Haley, Yunkin, Glenn Yunkin is the other one that you could look at. He looks like he's in his upper 50s. 56. Yep, nailed it. I'm weirdly good at this. You're not doing bad. What's uh Asa Hutchinson? Remember when people were talking about Tucker Carlson running? Oh yeah. How old oh, is that guy? Okay, okay. That's okay. a hard one. That's a fun one. I bet he's he's old he's he's older than me, but not he's probably he's probably fifty two. Oh man, that's what okay, I'll go fifty three because I was I was thinking fifty two. All right, give us the verdict. <laughs> By the way, we're gonna do a thing on the ordering of the primaries. <laughs> fifty four. All right. That's pretty amazing. We can nail it down within just a couple of years on almost all these people, except I think except DeSantis. I think people would always. I think almost everybody would think DeSantis is older than he is. I mean, he's got little kids though. He's got he's got very little kids. All right. Anyway. Um, anyway, vote for Vivek. Anyway, there. Uh, all right. There you go. You, you can head his. Uh, you can head his Nebraska committee. Uh, what policies do you like of his? Anyway, when he was born, the thing that we were going to talk, we were going to talk about, and then we got completely sidetracked by this discussion. Generational candidates here is what order the primaries are going to go in, and the GOP has decided where South Carolina is going to go. South Carolina's GOP primary is expected to take place on February twenty fourth. Party leaders in the Palmetto State say they chose the date to give candidates more time to campaign down south after Nevada votes on February six. The decision now needs to be approved by the RNC. While the move by Republicans sticks with the tradition of having South Carolina voters decide after Iowa and New Hampshire, Democrats are planning to move South Carolina up on their primary calendar ahead of the other two states. Democrats believe that will allow people of color to have more of a voice, but the plan has gotten significant pushback from Democrats in both Iowa and New Hampshire. In Washington, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. Get a, See if you can figure out even dumber ways to do this whole thing. It has got to be one of the dumbest things in politics. that we, Unless you live in Iowa or New Hampshire mm-hmm. or South Carolina, I guess. Then it's, it's great. It's great, and we're going to fight for it. And we're going to... But does any... Like, where, where are the rest of the people outside of the, the, those states 
saying this is a great system that we've got and we should do it for years and years and years where we have these two, maybe three states basically having all the attention of the candidates. Mm-hmm. It, I, 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 like, I can't believe there have not been louder voices. This isn't a Republican or Democrat thing because they both do it. They're, they're just changing the order. It's not something they have to do per the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, the founding fathers didn't say you've got to have Iowa first. <laughs> that would have been, the order. That been impressive. It would have been so, impressive prediction ability by them. Jefferson sitting there anyway. So Iowa. <laughs> Like, it's not some sacrosanct thing, again, unless you live in Iowa. Change it up. Change it up year to year. Again, put it, make it over, over whatever number you want, five, seven, eight Tuesdays during that time, if you want to do it that way, and then put them in pods of states and rotate those pods every four years, you know. This year, these ones go. This year, these ones go. And then rotate. One goes to the back. The other one comes to the front. I, I wouldn't even do it that way. Because that's you gotta, how I would you, do it. I think that's the, that's the most logical way to do it. But you got to make it for TV. You got to have your draft. You got to have the <laughs> lottery. lottery the lottery rollout go. Here's our pod one on the first Tuesday for the primaries. We might as well, politics sucks so bad. We might as well a little bit put a little bit of fun into and the And you got to see got to see if your state shows up up yeah, there. Yeah, if you get the first one and you're like, "Ooh, this year we might be getting the candidates here." And here's the thing, based on the previous results, uh if you were in the 5th pod, you now have the best odds to be in the first spot. So like the NBA lottery. A little bit, yeah. That'd be good. We might as well infuse some fun things into this hellscape that is American politics right now. Get me to turn on C-SPAN. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. or, or put it on ESPN. So, I don't know. So South Carolina is on. The, the Democrats are going to vote on a different day than Republicans in South Carolina. And that happens in some other states, too. But that's where we are there. Uh, I, I got to get, since we took so much time on that, I got to get to this story. Uh, have you heard about this like mini submarine? I think Fox covered in their in their national news at six o'clock this morning. Um, so a mini submarine does voyages like tourist vo- voyages to go look at the wreckage of the Titanic, uh, which is off the coast of Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like I think I heard like three and a half kilometers down underwater. So that's I don't do your conversion chart. Five K is three point one miles. So do your do your conversion there. Um and one of them didn't return back. And so now there's People don't know what happened. They don't have communications. And now the Coast Guard is involved with this whole thing. This Titanic mission was supposed to be eight days. Cost $250,000 a pop. It's a fleet of a five-person submersible that they have. And they're capable of reaching 4,000 meter depths. Ocean Gate Expeditions did launch the submarine, which is the size of a minivan from Newfoundland, headed out for a six-hour tour of that wreckage of the Titanic, sitting about 350 miles southeast in the Atlantic Ocean. And it didn't return last night, so that's when it was reported missing to the Coast Guard. So the Coast Guard is now on it. The U.S. Coast Guard says Canadian Navy and commercial assets have joined in the effort to find the vessel that was taking passengers to see the wreckage of Titanic. Coast Guard Rear Admiral John Mogger says the vehicle has roughly four days of self-sustainment and they have a lot of area to cover. Approximately 900 miles uh, east of Cape Cod, 
uh, in a water depth of uh, roughly 13,000 feet. Right now, with no contact, it can't be known if the issue is structural or mechanical. Rear Admiral Mager says in the next hours, more resources are headed to the search area to help. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. So it's the size of a minivan. They've got, what, how many hours did they say? 90-some hours, so you got like three, four days. I don't know that when that started, though. Like, I don't know what the right. start start time of that clock was exactly. And so is the thing... I mean, is the thing just got no power? So you're just, you're, you're sitting in that. They don't even know if the people are alive in there at this point. And if they are, you've got, you know, like you said, a matter of a day or two to find out where they are. I would assume there's a spot where they launch. I assume they launched from another, an, a, a boat, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, like, you should know generally, and they're going to the Titanic, which you know where that is, I mm-hmm. assume. So, I, I, like, I, I get that it's really deep, but I don't know what you take down there exactly to get it. But it feels like they should be able to find them, right? I would think. I, again, I'm zero, not an expert at all on this thing. And I, if it makes it makes sound like I'm making it sound easy, I shouldn't be doing that because I have no idea how you would even go about that. But it it does... Just on the face of it, when you lay it out like that, it's like, okay, well, I think, I hope and think they should be able to find them. Well, I mean, that's kind of the, it's along the same lines as when you do the any search and rescue, where it's, where did they leave from? What was their destination? What are the conditions between those points? Right. And then, then you do the sweeps from there, and it's... And then... but it, But also, that is such a lateral plane that I'm talking about. Now you add all of the depth to it. I think that really, really complicates a, a search of this yeah. for this. And what do you do when you find them? Is another question. It, it, yeah, are you able to get? It's not like it would. Is there, it's not like it, you bring like a scuba tow truck down there. Yeah, let's say they're alive, but now you're dealing with with the uh, with the pressure, though the water right. pressure that's down there because of the depth. And- you, it's not like you're opening it up and giving them air tanks, mm-hmm. right? You've mm-hmm. got to pull them up. I would think before any any of that, but it's uh, it's almost too terrifying to think of. To be honest, of of being what it would be like to be on that, yeah, um, that thing. So hopefully, there's still good news to come out of that whole thing, and I don't think there's that business is going to be around anymore. No, wow, two hundred fifty thousand bucks, terrifying. In a I, in a in a minivan size or in a minivan size like sub that goes down there. No, thank you. I'm yeah. I'm starting to feel like just like the panic attack of Ugh. like you're you're yes. bunched in. Yes, I don't even want to think about it. It's smaller than our studio. I don't, I don't even want to think. And about our it. studio has windows. I don't even want to think about it. It's terrible. Yeah, how many, did they say how many people? I didn't. Ca- did, you I were, missed yeah. that. All right, six fifty five. All right, that's it for. Uh, we're gonna end our sound off there. Sixty eight degrees in the capital city. You are listening to LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, so it looks like Caleb has found the odds provider for the Warhorse through this company called Combi. I don't know how you found this website. Are you on the dark web here at this (laughs) point? That's what it feels like. All I did was I searched Combi Sportsbook Catalog, and then it looked like it was trying to pull up. Catalog. 
pull up yeah catalog so it's, uh, that's what all the what all your, oh, I your just available know, I'd options never are. heard that I'd never heard that term used before for that and that ended up being the uh what pulled it up okay so what uh you got two road games for Nebraska football just curious where do they have the Nebraska line set for the first two games well I know for the very first game at Minnesota it is eight and a half Nebraska is a favorite no the underdog Against Minnesota. Oh, are they the underdog? Oh, yeah, yeah. they they are the underdog. Aren't I was going to say you're making some you're breaking some major news oh, there. They, they are the underdog. Hey, this new sports book is great. They are the underdog, and then they're an eight and a half point favorite at Colorado. So it's both of them are eight and a half. Uh, one though, Nebraska the favorite one. So according to the sports book, Nebraska's got the same chance of winning against Minnesota and losing against Colorado. According to the yes. sports book, that's not. It's not always how it works. So, over under by the, they even have an over under for Minnesota. By the way, 48? 48? 48? That's a little low. That's definitely a little low. Is it? I don't know about. Yeah, that's got to be a little low, doesn't it? Maybe I, not. Maybe I don't not. know about Nebraska's Wait, offense. I, I might have just talked myself out of it. <laughs> And now oh, we have man. months and months to I do need this. To, I know. I got to start working on my prediction right now for the. I got to make it have a better year in the Friday Husker tailgate prediction game. That was rough. What'd you get third? I don't even remember. That's the thing is I never remember. I just know I didn't win, and I don't know who did win. I know who won. Was, was it you? I won before we even got to the last week. It was impossible, mathematically impossible for you guys to catch me. All right. Well, this year's going to be different. All right, 69 degrees in the capital city. Joe Jordan, morning drive. And a little bit later, coming up, Jason Ball and John Baylor. It is 7 o'clock, KLIM Lincoln. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends. On the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 709, welcome back. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN, June 20th, 23. Glad to have you back with us. On a Tuesday morning, 68 degrees in the capital city. Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska, joining us right now. Hello, Joe. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jack. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it's a day before I, I go on a vacation, so I'm I'm uh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. You're not really there. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that. You know, but it, it actually brings up an, an interesting point. I was I was talking to one of our other guests about this it just it, it it kind of feels like right now and, and i know this is always a, a bit of a slow time of year in in politics and some news types of things but it almost feels like more so this year 
And I just wonder if the I wonder if the, this legislative session and and really just the politics of the last year and a half in this state with the gubernatorial election and everything like there's a part of me that wonders if everyone involved in it was just completely drained and they needed to go on a bit of a vacation from from that whole world for a while and that's kind of playing into this whole thing. Well, I have no doubt that that's a key part of why, for the most part, people are kind of taking a deep breath right now. I, it's my understanding, and I don't know who, to be honest with you, who some of these people are, but it's my understanding that um, some legislators are trying to talk to other legislators, people they didn't possibly talk to during the session, and, and get some discussions going so that things aren't so crazy when we get to the, the legislature opening up again in 2024. Mm. Um, uh, so I, I think people realize how bad things had gotten. You know, there's always this question of, well, we saw this before. I'll be honest with you. Uh, and, and there were sessions in, in the, over the last, you know, 15, 20 years where I thought, you know, that was kind of kind of insane. It, it was. It, I've never seen it like it was this last time, where you just had in, people were just, A, refusing to discuss things with each other, uh, and the and the and the volatility was in, was incredible. Um, I can't remember having people throwing things out of the balcony to the to the floor of the legislature. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's never happened before. At least I, if it, if I missed it, I missed it. But mm-hmm. I I don't remember that happening. And and there have been a few times where I think where the state patrol had to had to clear a balcony, but I don't remember to the point of of of, of this uh, this this level of. Uh, <laughs> I, I I hate to use the word hatred, but boy, it it, it, it doesn't seem like it's wrong to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you know, hanging out there, I don't know what happens with uh, uh, the the abortion transgender piece of legislation right. uh, going forward. Uh, I don't I don't think that necess- you know there's there's the court cases kind of hanging limbo down in Lancaster County uh, where you are obviously yeah we're, we're uh, waiting to see what they do with the I mean, the big thing is what's going to happen with the temporary injunction to start injunction, and I think right. that's going to tell us a ton about the whole yes, thing yes and but unknown is uh, you know Senator Slava during the debate over the voting uh, early voting and and voter ID she sort of promised a lawsuit. Uh, That's right. She lost and she did lose. And she kept kept saying, you know, if this gets to court, um, there's going to be a special session. Well, I got to believe that the last thing anybody wants right now is a special session. (laughs) (laughs) Do exactly to the point. Yeah. And I don't see it. I don't see it coming. But, uh, you know, if she gets into court, if she if she she takes this thing into court and gets, you know, a a temporary injunction against that piece of legislation, that might you know that could force a special session where people say well well we can't wait for the courts to decide we got to get this thing oh fixed up at our own level um so there's there's still a lot of unknowns as as we move forward here in in, in june uh you know you know there's always this somebody's always tossing out the idea of a special session and you know 9 times out of 10 it doesn't happen uh but when it does and if it does in this case it will be it'll just be I can't imagine all those bad feelings have died down to the point where they're not going to resurface if if we get into like September or October for a special session. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, you, it's it's a good point about the. I sort of forgot about that, and I think probably 
But I, it, it, you, she, you might need somebody to bring it, right? Who's got standing to to bring it, and I, you know, the standing may just come as a a voter, somebody who voted for the the petition um, that that is saying, hey, this is not effectuating what we voted for, um, and there might be standing issues or getting the right plaintiffs. So perhaps that is actually taking some time, or maybe it's not going to happen. I'm not totally sure. You, one of the things that we have had, uh, not a lot, we haven't talked about it, but I know that there's been some news kind of in the background of the political world, and I probably couldn't even give you any of the names, but you are starting to hear that uh, candidates are are popping up and saying they're going to run for legislature. Um, it would be in, I guess, in, in 2024, so it's still a year plus until that thing. Uh, will that be, I'm, I'm curious, I guess it will be to me, but I'm not quite sure how, how you look at it. It'll be interesting to see what last year's session does to the willingness of people to run this time around, the types of people who run this time around, and kind of what it does to the campaigns that are associated with people who are running. Because we'll be, you know, it'll be a few months, we'll be in the middle of that once again. Yeah, and, I, and I do think that uh, there'll be some, some incumbents will probably get challenged. Yes. Uh, but, but most of them are, you know, some of the key ones are down to their last couple of years. Uh, so it's, you know, when, when, for instance, uh, let's take, uh, Senator, uh, uh, Kavanaugh, Michaela Kavanaugh, Mm -hmm. when she's, you know, when we get to 2024, she'll only have two years left. Um, while you would, while you could same with Megan Hunt. Yeah. Right. You can see someone on the right saying, well, we're, we're going to take that person out. Well, but a lot of, oftentimes what happens is the reality sets in, you know, I can just wait two years and that seat is open. Why contest a, a, a person that's been elected, you know, and then reelected uh, with only two years to go on their term, which would be the case if you're if you're fighting Michaela Kavanaugh or uh, Senator Hunt? Um, well, so neither of, neither of them will be up for election, so they're done being they're done I'm in sorry, elections. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so you're they're done. Right. So you're those right. yeah, it's an it's an interesting I'm one sorry. though. Like, right. who are the incumbents kind of on the hot seat this time around? Which yeah. will be. I don't know, and I know you, you may not know either, but that'll be an interesting thing to kind of develop is which incumbents that are up are ones that get challenged this time around. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we haven't heard, and I and it's hard to say when we're going to hear it or or if we're going to hear it, is uh, there's, there's two U.S. Senate races next year. <laughs> That's true. And Here I am speculating the, about the legislature we, and their we, Senate races. We know who the Republicans are, you know, Pete Ricketts and, and Senator Fisher, I, I haven't heard a whisper of who a Democrat might be, to, let alone take on each of them to take on even one of them. I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah, I mean, I, and that's, I, you know, that the Democratic Party has got point. to face some harsh realities there. Uh, because, it, it, you know, if you, if you, if you kind of pass on a, on a, on a, on a statewide races, uh, boy, it just it doesn't it doesn't bode well. It, it it hurts. It would, you know, it would hurt some of those legislative races if there are some to come in 2024. If you don't have people at the top of the ticket uh, making a case for your party, the, down the ticket, it's, it gets even harder and harder. Uh, so I think those are things that the Democratic Party, I presume, is facing right now. And as I said, if if they've got some names, I haven't heard them, and I haven't seen anybody else that knows what those names might be. So yeah, and you're probably that's probably you know it'd be reasonable for that to be six months away, but it's a good point, right? That's this is the time. This is the time when they're out there looking for those. And as we've, I feel like we've talked about time and time again. It's hard. 
You know, when a football coach is is uh, getting fired, there's always this short list that you can think of people sort of running for the job. I don't quite know what that short list is for two Senate candidates um, for the, for the Democrats in the state right now. It's hard. It's hard to figure out. And and honestly, if I was going to make one, and I don't think this is going to happen because he just got reelected as mayor, but Lincoln's mayor is is about the most recognizable name on the Democratic side right now. Now I'm not sure how that would well, play statewide, but true, it, it would. You know, the, the the advantage to the Democrats in that case is she could run for a statewide race, state still be mayor, lose a statewide race, still be mayor, mm-hmm. uh, and at the very least, it would give the Democratic Party a credible named candidate someone who's won an election <laughs> yeah uh and someone who you know and right. and I, I mean clearly credible yeah uh so you know i think that would that would be a person i well i can't believe someone's not talking to him. yeah agree. that's that's uh, what i, I, I mean got, like i've got to think you know you know whether or not she's interested i mean who knows right right but uh i've got to believe people okay. think you know here's 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 one person that we've got to get out here and, and make some noise for our party, but whether or not she wants to take that step, who, you know, who knows? Yeah, if, if Jane Klebb has a legal pad in her desk drawer with names on it to recruit <laughs> to do that, I don't know that I can think of any other name that's probably on there. Maybe a couple, but they're... I mean, they're the, you know, the downside of, of, of the Lincoln mayor running statewide would be to get trounced. Right, you know, yeah. Get, you know, lose 60-40. Which, 40. frankly, is, is definitely in play if that happens. Exactly. Yeah. And so... You know that's that's the downside. That's why you don't why, run. Yeah. Why they don't work exactly? Yeah. Why you wouldn't run? Plus, you know, if you, for instance, if you're taking on Pete Ricketts, uh, which of course Democrats complained about this, you know, up and down when he was governor, you know, you're you're running against an unlimited bankroll right there. It's not as if Senator Fisher's not going to have plenty of money herself. Right. Uh, so there's that there's the whole financial situation that goes with it, with two with two statewide Senate races. Yeah. Yeah, in which by the, and and that's the other thing is, I think we've talked about this before. But like, do you choose which one you get into? Right? Like, how do you if you if you're a candidate? Yeah, that, that's just a, it's such a unique situation with two of them in the same year here, uh, this coming year. Um, I mean, the case the, you, politically, not necessarily realistically or or for the end game, but politically, the case against. Uh, Pete Ricketts is a bit stronger for for a challenger, saying that it was you know a backroom deal made with Jim Pillen, uh, dirty politics. Yeah. Uh, Senator Fisher, you know, from day, from day one when she first got elected to the Senate, she was you know she was always this candidate, and no one could ever figure out how to put a glove on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bob Kerry tried. You know, yep. uh, they didn't. Bob Kerry's camp. They didn't want to run against Ted Fisher. They wanted to run against John Bruning. They felt that that was the best way right. to go. And they thought that's where it was going to go. And she wins the nomina- uh The yeah, the nomination of the, of the GOP, and then cruises to a twenty-point victory over, over Bob, Bob Kerry. Kerry. You know, at that point in time, people thought, "Oh, this is going to be a close race." Well, <laughs> it never was. And. Yeah. And here we are. Man, today. that's a that is what by the way, if there was ever going to be a a book about a Nebraska Senate race or something or a documentary the 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 Republican primary with Stenberg Bruning, Deb Fisher and then going up against Bob Gary and that whole thing. That was is one of the more interesting kind yeah. of kind of years for electoral politics in Nebraska that I can remember. Hey, I, I want I want to switch gears real quick and just get your opinion. We were just talking about this earlier, and I'm just curious about some of the insight you might have on this. So 
the the GOP nationally is talking about reordering some of their elections, and the Democrats have been too, reordering the primary presidential elections. The Democrats are going to put South Carolina earlier. They want they think it's going to get a more diverse group of voters who are making the big decisions at the beginning, which which is interesting because you essentially admit when you're doing that, which it's true that the states that go at the front have sort of outsized influence on selecting the candidates for the party okay and And they're not diverse and yes (laughs) right (laughs) yeah that's and and so i guess i guess my question is like how has this system where iowa and new hampshire hold all this power how has this held up for so many years when it's not something that's it's something that the parties just decide, and it's not mandated by the Constitution. It's not written in by the founding fathers. It's none of those things. But a, a small number of you know states and people are benefiting from this setup politically and economically. I can't believe this hasn't been toppled more than it has already. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know the history of the New Hampshire primary, and, and obviously I probably should, but I am pretty familiar with the Iowa caucus. And, you know, I think it was uh, 1976, uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, out of the blue, decided that in their own, somewhere in their genius of their campaign, they realized that they could go into Iowa, uh, little known, little money, uh, and make a name for themselves. And somebody, you know, if we can win Iowa, we can We'll get a lot of publicity. We'll be on, you know, back in those days, we'll be on the cover of Time and Newsweek uh, right after those wins. And and, and they were right. That's exa- And that's what happened. And it pushed Carter, you know, he pushed him into the presidency. It was his first big step. So then, you know, politics is always, they always tell you don't fight the last war, but they always do. Mm-hmm. And so we, then we get to 1980, and then Iowa, you know, you've got, you know, Ted Kennedy's thinking about challenging Carter for the nomination. Iowa, you know, we're, we're going to go into Iowa and, and beat Carter there and do it with, with what he did, you know, four years ago. And it just it just became a life of its own going forward, 80, 84, and then thereafter. Um, you know, the, what's, what it comes down to this year on the Democratic side is basically it's a it's a Biden protection plan. Uh, you know, we we know if you're the True. if you're the Biden campaign, we know Joe Biden's going to you know be very very Carolina. strong in South Carolina. Yeah. Why do we, we we don't want to play in Iowa? We don't want to certainly don't want to play in New Hampshire because then you've got you've got people that can cross party lines. You don't get a lot of that, but there's always that fear. That maybe so the Republicans are going to vote in a, you know in that primary and and, just, and mess up a, a Biden presidency potentially. So uh, they. The, the choice of South Carolina by the Democrats, by the Biden people, makes perfect sense. If you think politically now in terms of what they've done historically, it kind of screws things up, you know. But in fairness, Iowa kind of screwed itself here, uh, especially on the Democratic side when they couldn't figure out who won or who lost. That's right. You know, that just that, that left just, a bad taste in everybody's mouth that um, they they were ripe for the picking, so to speak. So to speak, as to as to going forward, and maybe Iowa was wasn't going to be it what it was, and that, that's kind of where we are. Now, New Hampshire is a different element. Uh, they're still going to be there's New Hampshire, even on the Democratic side, will still have a say. I, but but um, and they, you know, it's not clear that they're not going to go first uh, on the Democratic side. There's a lot of shenanigans that go on this thing, and uh, and and don't be surprised if you look up and there's 
in New Hampshire actually has the first you know, primary on the Democratic side. It doesn't appear that way, but these things have a strange way of changing as you get closer to the to those days and times. My, my theory on this, if there were no rules and you asked, there was nothing and you just had to set up a system right now from the beginning for this whole thing in your party, you would never set up anything like the current system that's in place. It's just, it makes no sense in so many ways. But yet here we are, and this is what we have. Both parties. Well, you know, because it's been discussed, we'd have a regional, yes. type of regional primary system. Well, then, so so which region goes first? I mean, it gets it, rotate you know, them. Well, okay, so we'll have it. Yeah, okay. So you're okay. Oh, 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 well, actually, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll have a multi-region. We'll so you'll have an Iowa and New Hampshire on the same day. Well, maybe we'll throw in. Uh, maybe you throw in California or Nevada, mm-hmm. so you spread it out over the country. Well, then you're, what you're going to hear is, well, now the candidate who doesn't have as much money, they're stuck because they can't they can't campaign in all these states at one time, uh, which is which is the whole Super Tuesday situation. When you get to Super Tuesday, if you haven't got enough money and going to campaign behind you, you're you're in, you know you're not going anywhere because right. you can't campaign in seven or eight states at one time in in the, in the week well, that you've got to deal with it. So still sounds better than what we have, but <laughs> nonetheless, well, none the problem, the, you know, it, it just to wrap this thing up, I think, Jack, you know. So so many people are so frustrated. You know, they they don't want Biden. They don't want Trump. Uh, but the way the system is set up, that's probably who it's going to be in the end. Yep. Yep. I know. I think that's that's right. All right. We'll leave it on that encouraging note. Uh, <laughs> good to talk to you, Joe. We'll, uh, we'll touch base next week. All right. Have a good one. Have a good vacation, Jack. Yep. Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska, 727-KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. Chris Lofgren. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, without any further ado, with Caleb. Uh, for the last day, Caleb at the uh, helm before we've got Mark coming yeah. back. Oh, no, I put my... Uh, I put my uh, I lost my numbers. You lost That's your numbers? Fault. So I, I might have the numbers here. So if you don't, otherwise I get to do them manually. Dang Number it. five. <laughs> Nebraskans will finally have the opportunity to legally bet on sports for the first time starting this afternoon at Warhorse Casino here in Lincoln. Customers will be able to place sports wagers at any of the 10 kiosks in the facility or the sportsbook window. Warhorse has partnered with Combi for both kiosks and line setting services. I, If you would have told me this would happen eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago, I would have said, oh my gosh, that what a major, major, major thing. You know, even beyond just having casinos for for people and you know and and the things that come along with it for better or worse too but a major thing i don't feel that way as much as i do now and here's why there have been so many other places where kind of the seal has kind of already been broken on this mm-hmm. and there are so many other places other states i should say where you can do it um with mobile technology from the your couch and I think that I, I think that sort of lessens the shock value number one, and maybe a little bit the interest number two of physically going to a sports book and sort of just hanging out there, yeah, and and making bets. And that might be a 
that might be a good thing, right? That's obviously by design to some degree with the legislation. Absolutely. Um, with this with this whole thing. But so it doesn't feel as monumental monumental and monumentally unlikely as I think it would have as well. And, and the other thing is it, like you can still I don't even know if people realize this, but you can still gamble in Nebraska <laughs> on you and you have been able to on your phone on athletics by playing daily fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. It's just a little a different format. Right? So instead of picking a team to win the game, you pick a group of play you you bet on the performances of players, mm-hmm. essentially. Yep. Which is legal and you cannot you don't have to go to a casino to do it and it has been. And and so again it's just it doesn't feel like the huge step like I thought it would feel like like the huge sea change in attitudes and opportunities and all of those things because there's been so there's been a step up and a step up and a step up and a step up toward this and I just wonder if the reaction is going to reflect that right and maybe you can say the same thing about casino gambling in general um but that's a little different because it it, it We've had there's been casino gambling in other states mm-hmm. around Nebraska for for years, yep. long a long time, right? And and so it wasn't like we just had this new technology come in in other states that you don't have here. This is just taking what was in other states, the casino gambling generally mm-hmm. at, that were in your Iowa's, that were in your Sioux City uh, or your South Dakota areas, in in those places that were in your Kansas cities, and just had them closer. And so yeah. that to me is. A, is is obviously the the bigger change in this little thing. I just bottom line is, I'm not. I don't know if this is going to be particularly popular. We'll find out. It's a, to me the the part on that that'll make it most popular or meh is how does it ultimately look when you get in there to when you get to the area? Does it have a? And that's one of the things that has made some of these sports books. If anyone's gone to Vegas, that it makes it kind of a, a fun area to be around. Is it feels like a sports bar, right? Yes, yeah. Like, I went with my friends, and we did. The, I went to Vegas with my friends twenty years ago, and that's all we did. That's you know, we played some blackjack and stuff. But that's kind of that was a huge novelty at that time. It feels like a slightly a huge di- novelty. Like you could, if you just put the blinders on a little bit about where you are, you're in a sports bar for the most part. You're not even at a casino right. with everything else that goes on. Now, I don't think it'll feel like I. I haven't been there. I've seen I haven't pictures. Been there either. I doubt it feels like that now. Right. The uh, the finished product. Oh is yeah, what yeah. You're it's absolutely about. not the finished product yeah. at the current when, moment. When, that'll be another thing that'll make it more. You're not going to have a good read on any of this stuff until you get that building done. Even I, the entirety of the of the casino, we don't even have a Same great thing. read on. Yeah. Thursday at three. That's that's when the sports betting will officially open uh, here in the All state right, so of day Nebraska. After tomorrow. All right. All right. And uh, you actually found the the odd service that they're using. You tweeted out the I found it. The link, I, if you're I, wondering. Yep, I tweeted out the link. Found a few lines. Nebraska football going to be an eight and a half point underdog at Minnesota. Eight and a half point favorite at Colorado. Um, you can't bet on it, but tonight, if you're curious, the College World Series, the over under is eleven and a half runs for TCU oh, Oral Roberts. All right. <laughs> All right, there you go. What else we have going on? Oh, I have to hit your buttons, yeah. don't I? Yeah. Number four. I do not like that. A commercial Spirit Airlines flight was forced to make an emergency landing at the Lincoln Airport yesterday afternoon. 
uh, Lincoln Airport received an alert too. That's there was an indication of smoke in the flight deck. The Yikes. flight departing from Detroit and on their way to L.A. diverted to Lincoln, parked there. All the passengers, passengers and crew, a total of 188 people, were safely deplaned. No injuries reported. Spirit Airlines then had uh, had to get them a replacement plane to finish out the flight. Also, it was the brightest yellow plane I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, so the smoke was probably easy to see on this thing. Yeah, glad everybody's okay on that. So they they were uh, they had about three hours in Lincoln. There should just be a standby crew, right? Like from the chamber or something. We can tell Jason Ball about this when he comes in. Like standby crew, if people are going to have a multiple hour break in Lincoln, they weren't expected. Mm-hmm. We've set up a tour for you of yep. Lincoln. Right? There's just this bus sitting there at all times. <laughs> of grumpy people who aren't supposed to be, who aren't going to be where they expected to be. They got a three. Oh, listen, I guess at least they got a new, they got a new nice shiny airport, right? To, yeah, to be able to stay. It is. That's that's not a better bad, than if it happened a couple of years ago. Not a bad place to hang out for a couple of hours. Yeah. Now, absolutely would not want to hang out anywhere if my flight had to get diverted. It doesn't matter how yeah. nice the the, uh, yeah. the place is. Yeah. What's that like when they announce it? Yeah, your captain speaking. I know you weren't expecting to go here, but we'll be landing in Lincoln, Nebraska, right now because of some smoke coming Nebraska? out of the plane. Nebraska. What are you doing? All right. What else we got? I can Number do three, you know. You don't have to do that if you I didn't know like you it. had it pulled up now. No, I do I I do it I do it with my voice. A massive search and rescue effort is underway in the North Atlantic after a submersible exploring the wreck of the Titanic went missing on Sunday. The cer- the research vessel Polar Prince lost contact with the crew of the Titan sub an hour and 45 minutes into its dive, U.S. Coast Guard estimated the sub had between 70 and 96 hours of emergency oxygen. That's about four days. Tour firm OceanGate said it was exploring all options to get the crew back safely, and government agencies have joined the rescue operation. So I I said something earlier that it, it, was, it was pretty dumb. Just... Because I was saying, well, they know where it was launched, which they do. Mm-hmm. They know where the Titanic is, which I presume they do. Shouldn't it be fairly easy then? You know, it was. I mean, it's a dumb. It's a completely dumb thing to say. I read after the fact that they're searching an area the size of Connecticut. Oh. So yeah, the U.S. Coast Guard searched an area about the size of Connecticut overnight for the submersible, according to U.S. Coast Guard First District Commander Rear Admiral John Mauger. And so they're continuing to do it, expanding capabilities to be able to search under the water. At this point, they have a commercial vessel that's on scene now that has remote-operated vehicles that'll give them the ability to search under the water as well. Also using a P-3 aircraft from Canadian Armed Forces that are dropping sonar boys to listen to sound from the submersible. And and the other thing, so I guess the thought is, well, if it lost power, because I think they lost contact an hour and a half into this thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a two and a half hour journey to the, to the actual Titanic. And so if you lose power an hour and a half into it and you don't have perhaps navigation ability at all who knows where you end up in the ocean right so that's probably the the reason why it's got a a significant amount of area that they've got to look for this whole thing 
but it took off, I believe it said 4 a.m. on Sunday. If I had that right, that link that you read from mm-hmm. it has the has the time. I think it said 4 a.m. on Sunday when it took off. And so that's 96 hours from that point. So Monday, Tuesday, it, pretty much you got to find them today or tomorrow. Yeah, because if it's four a if it's four a.m., I don't know for sure if that's exactly when it started, but that would be Monday at four a.m. Tuesday at four a.m. would be forty eight. Wednesday at four a.m. would be seventy two. Thursday, yeah, you're right. Yeah, pretty and, much. Yeah, you're, end of the end of the day. Wednesday is what you've got. Now here's this. this so thing. there's in that same article from the uh, BBC, a submarine expert out of the University College London. Talked about a couple of different scenarios that may have happened. One is that there was an emergency, so they released what is called a drop weight, and that just brings them to the surface. So they're just bobbing around somewhere. The other is that the hull was compromised, resulting in a leak, which then the prognosis is not good. Right. Already. Yeah. Yeah. At this point. Five people on on board, they know who three of them are. Uh, three of them are British nationals. Hamish Harding, which is a business businessman and explorer, 58 years old, British businessman. Shahzada Dawood and his son Suleiman Dawood. Uh, don't know who the other two are, at least right now, at this point. So it's just terrible to think about. Yeah. I just can't. I, I can't think about it. Sit there and like go through the experience of what that's like to be on that thing. They paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get on the thing. Two hundred fifty thousand. How? I wonder how much of the Titanic you like. What the experience is really like. Like what you actually see. Right. Like, are you really feeling like that's? Because it seems like in the what has it been about a hundred years? Yeah. Like it should be pretty overgrown or right. rusted right. up or yeah. just everything kind of dirty. And that you get down that low, it is just, like you can't see it. And and the, this is talking about the the rescue, like <laughs> that water is not like clear water where you can see for you know hundreds of feet ahead of you. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. right? At all at that at three kilometers down in the ocean. So, all right, moving on. Let's hope for good news. There. Number two. A record-breaking day at the College World Series, but it was away from the ballpark. Rocco's Jello Shot Challenge last year sold 31,215 total. Ole Miss set the single-team record of 18,777. Yesterday, LSU moved over 21,000 themselves. The overall total has now eclipsed 37,000. We'll get an update at 9 this morning. The big movement on that, though, was... It was uh, Raisin Cane's, right? Yes. Raisin yes. Cane's CEO dropped $30,000 purchasing 6,000 shots, which moves that overall total to a record, moves LSU to having the single-team record, and also breaks a Merle Hackard record for number of shots bought for a bar at one time. Uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty funny um 30,000 and and by the way part of this if if you're wondering like why why is somebody you know doing something like that in addition to obviously the the party aspect of it they're making donations to 
uh, local food banks and then food banks from the universities that buy them from the towns and the universities. Yep. So, that buy so them you've got one in it, Omaha, so. and then it's every participating team's so, hometown. So they're five bucks. So at thirty thousand bucks, he bought five. He bought uh, six thousand of them. Yep. There. And the guy, by the way, is Todd Graves, um, and so he's the owner of of Chick Fil A, LSU alum. He's been in this studio with us. When the original Chick Fil A's had some, oh, or, excuse me. Oh my gosh! Well, you're going back and forth all raising over. Now canes. you're confusing me. No, it's raising canes. Sorry, sorry, raising canes. They're going to be mad at me. Um, but he was, he's the, uh, he was, he was here in the studio years ago, uh, talking about that. But big LSU guy with that. So, how much alcohol are in these things? See, I didn't think there was a whole lot. Our own Matt McMaster said there was a decent amount, but he's 21. What does he know about alcohol anyway? Right. Uh, I don't know. But that's, I mean, yeah, some of these. And and by the way, if you're buying this, those things don't stay good, like out of a fridge, I would guess, more than 10 minutes. You just start handing those babies out. Right? Doesn't jello, I mean, like you put jello out, doesn't it sort of start oozing and melting at that point? They've got, and it like probably doesn't taste that good unless it's cold as well. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I have questions about this, but <laughs> well, that's why we have to go up and take take all of it in I, one time. I saw an interesting an interesting question was um, if what would be the perfect eight teams to break the overall record. I saw that as well. I was thinking about that. So LSU, Ole Miss out the gate because those are those are the two already won it. Those are the two that have already done it. BYU. Then, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, uh, although Oral Roberts is, is holding their own. I think people thing. are just putting theirs in for Oral you think Roberts. So? Yeah. Uh, so, Wisconsin doesn't have a baseball team or they'd be there, right? I got it. And here's the thing. So, so yeah, and everyone wanted to put Wisconsin in there. I think Arizona State. Okay. I think Florida State. Yeah, I, Nebraska, I would say Nebraska and Creighton. I would say Nebraska and Iowa. Okay. Florida State, huh? I'm thinking parties, like places yeah, that they. I agree on Arizona State, and then something random like uni- like University of Ohio or something that's been that's been known as a big party school. Yeah, something maybe a smaller one as well. I saw a lot of people talking about Washington State. Yeah, I didn't know what, Washington State had that reputation, but evidently they do. All right, let's finish it off. Number one. A contestant on The Price Is Right is recovering after celebrating too hard. No, it wasn't cello shots. Henry was just so excited after winning that he dislocated his shoulder <laughs> while vigorously pumping his fist into the air. Henry's injury prevented him from spinning the wheel, so he got his wife Alice to do the honor for him. She spun and secured a 95 for her husband that sent him to the showcase showdown where he won a trip to Hawaii. With a dislocated shoulder. Fist pumped so hard. That's so funny. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Uh, and he still kept it together. To uh, Did they have painkillers there for him? How did he do this exactly? That's hilarious. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I've never celebrated that hard. Enjoy your trip to Hawaii. Maybe let your shoulder <laughs> heal before you do that. It's seven fifty-five. Nobody ever did. Nobody ever did that on Wheel of Fortune. I'll tell you that. Seven fifty-five on LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're Sofgren. 
You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIS. All right. Hey, I'm going to be uh, I'm gonna be gone the rest of this weekend for a few days after that, but we do still have request line Friday, and Caleb is going to be running on Friday. T- Caleb, tell people kind of requests you're looking for this uh, week. We're looking for those summer songs. Take you back. I want to hear your memories about them. If you don't got a memory, that's fine, too. But just those songs for summer, because guess what? Tomorrow is that official start of summer for 2023. Oh, finally. Yeah, right? Feels like we've been there already. <laughs> feels like I was already starting to look forward to fall, and we haven't even we haven't even actually It's a little too bright summer. out. It's a little that's, too hot. Right, Summer's that, just starting. That's why when I woke when my alarm went off this morning, I could see a little sun peering yeah. through the window at a really early time. All right. We're going to grab a break right now for a check for news coming up during the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to talk to Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. Also talk to John Baylor, voice of Nebraska Volleyball. It's 8 o'clock on KLIN Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome in. Alan K. today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Right now we've got 70 degrees in the capital city on, like I said, KLIN. Can't say the station too much. I'm ready, Caleb. I'm ready. I haven't noticed. I'm ready. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh, glad to have you with us. Thank you for bearing with me. There's, on KLIN. Shut up. There's many times I realize that you need to bear with me for many reasons, and it's a good time for me to thank you, the listener, for doing that. I have, you've got to extend some grace to the host on this show sometimes, and you all have done that time and time again. So On what I, station? I, you, can, you can go to heck. <laughs> Jason knows what station we're on. Uh, good morning, guys. It's an honor to be here on KLIN with you this morning. <laughs> well, Caleb and I are infighting. Uh, good to see you, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, all right. We got some, we got some, I wanted to run by a, a topic of conversation that I always think is a, a, an interesting one. Uh, there have been a couple of times in the last two weeks or so that we've talked about uh, interstate development on the interstate yeah. along, you know, where it passes to the, I guess, the north side of, of Lincoln. And, and, you know, ideally, we're going to kind of have this. Someday, this big square of freeways, the interstate being on the north border. That's my dream. Of that with Lincoln, right? Yeah. That's, that's a dream. Um, but it, I've always for years kind of said it, it feels like when you're driving on the interstate that Lincoln gives interstate drivers fewer reasons to get off than some other cities when you go through. And part of that is about the geography. Part of that is about the land. Part of that, I mean, there's there's a lot of reason. But it sounds like maybe there's a little bit of a corner turn on that because you've got, you know, you've got some the big development, obviously, that's been talked about a lot that looks like it's going forward uh, near the interstate. That's going to spur other development. There mm-hmm. are other projects going forward. I'm, I don't know. I like. I'm curious. Do you think about that? And 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 kind of how do you think about that issue? And how should that be used from a economic development perspective? Yeah. It, so I I will say real quick for for your listeners, and I know you guys have been talking about it on the station. We're very glad to see dirt getting moved out there near 56 and I 80. Yes. Um. We we you know we continue to encourage a more robust announcement about what that's going to be. But uh, <laughs> it's really uh, weird to yeah. talk about right now at this yeah. point, Jason. For years it has been. 
then. Yeah. So, but uh, uh, but it's it's encouraging to see that development because that that site actually goes back to when I was here the first time. I was marketing that to companies that were, oh, were really? looking at here for the first time. So I know a lot about that site. I know I did a whole lot of homework on what connecting gas and electric would look like, how long those things would take, and the opportunities that are out there. So I'm I'm really thrilled to come back and and find that there's some activity happening. There. Yeah. Um, in terms of to answer your question, yeah, um, it, it, you know when we talk about uh, the the interstate, there's there's a conversation we've been having with Omaha talking about what can a more robust I eighty corridor in and of itself yeah. look like, and and I've been on this station talking about that before. That's going to grow into Lincoln if we can really get that foothold. We need to be thinking about East Beltway. I know that that folks have been hearing me talk about that, but site development along that area is just tough. You do run into uh, tiger beetles. You do run into floodplains. So th- there's oh, some yeah. other things. You gotta, that, you gotta preserve those. That's I, right. I, yeah. I know. I, I look, I don't make the rules. I just play yeah. the game. Um, and so, you know, you have to be careful about, uh, you know, where you plan to build and how you plan to, to, to grow out there. Lincoln's future is on that north side of I 80. I'm very, very convinced of that. Um, but, but getting there is just going to take, I think, some more investment in, in infrastructure than, than we're willing to do right now. And we've got other options again, along the South Beltway where we need to make sure we're delivering that last mile infrastructure. So there's a lot of great opportunity throughout the entire I guess, let me ask you this then, like it will, how is that development going to get, what's that development do you think going to look like on the south beltway there's going to eventually obviously there's going to be cars there so there's going to be people who want to put businesses there that can get the but it hasn't been i I don't want to crap on it too much on i-80 but it hasn't been super robust over there with that that hasn't necessarily quite happened in ways that i sometimes thought and again it's a lot because a lot of the reasons that you said but what do you expect that to look like for the south beltway and kind of how, how long does something like that even take in terms of that development well look the 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 step that is limiting our rate of growth there right now is finding a sustainable way to invest in the infrastructure. And and when I say that, what I mean is, you know, we've got this amazing roadway that goes through there, buttery smooth if you've driven on, mm-hmm. right? Wonderful driving experience. And all along that corridor are landowners that want to develop actively right now. We're talking to all of them. So they're ready to go. Yeah. yeah. And so the the real question is, how can you get last mile delivery of roadway to get onto sites? That's true. And then, and then water and sewer. Because most of the exits aren't even, well, first of all, most of the exits aren't even open. Yeah. Right. On yeah. That. So you got so that. We're I mean, still completing that's that. starting. Right. But yeah. in a year, you've got that. Yeah. And that and then the, the things you're talking about. And, and the, the real trick, the most expensive part of the trick, I should say, with this is if you look at the topography of that area, it, it kind of hits on where we would need to get another lift station uh, to lift water in and out. Uh, to get in and out of that. And, and so that's going to be another challenge. It's just that the next, uh, actual and metaphorical hill we've got to get mm-hmm. over, uh, to make sure that we can develop out there. So it will develop and we've got people that want to, you know, they have concepts for hotels. They have I'm concepts sure. for, uh, truck stops, obviously truck yeah. stops and gas stations. And, and especially when you leverage the long-term vision of, you know, how we want to build that out as a connection to an East Beltway and complete a Lincoln Loop. Um, that area is really going to explode in the best possible kind of way. Uh, w- once we can unravel, how do we deliver? Once you get infra- once you get infrastructure, and, there, yeah. and I'll tell you that that question comes up even when I go 
to Department of Transportation. We're talking with them actively right now about how can we get on the, the list for uh, uh, developing the corridor on the, the East Beltway. Like what, what uh, intermediate steps do we need to be thinking about uh, taking now, such sure. as federalizing that corridor. Sure. Um, and so we're working with them on those things. But I, but I will tell you, Lincoln having a plan for last mile delivery of infrastructure is going to be part of that equation. We've just got to, we've got to be able to, to talk about when we can get services in there. And that's, I want to say, there's no easy answers here. That's very expensive investment. It's investment that taxpayers in other areas of the city, I think, understandably, aren't terribly thrilled uh, to put in through some of their general tax dollars, especially if they're not happy with what their streets and roads experience might look like in, in, in the, their yeah. areas of the city that they're in. So um, we've got some real broad policy decision-making in terms of how we, we pay for that to, to think about, but we do need to th- have that conversation because we don't get out ahead of it. We're going to be playing catch up for a yeah. long time. Well, you know, it's interesting. They just opened 70th up South 70th street now. So you can drive down 70th through a Lincoln and you can drive all the way now to the South beltway yeah. by standing bear high school. Yeah. And I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling you, I drove it for the first time cause I, I go down to Hickman every couple of weeks and I drove it for the first time about a week ago. And I said, okay, this is the the first time. I mean, you can drive out. You can drive out on on Fifty Sixth Street, and you can go all the way to Saltillo, right? You can. You've been able to do that. Um, but for some reason, when I did it on Seventieth, and seeing that school right there, mm-hmm. just it said it. It was just the reality that, like, holy cow, South Lincoln is now South Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. In, in South Lincoln is not 70th and Old Cheney anymore, right? Yeah. South Lincoln is is West Hickman now <laughs> at at this point. But like just thinking of that cuz that school gets going that's a completely changed area, right? Yeah. yeah. When there are activities there all I mean oh, I th- and then the, well, in the you y- talk about people wanting to develop. Yeah. I mean criminy. Yeah. <laughs> the the amount there is going to be infinitely more traffic there than there's ever been. Well, and you go go out to that area, there's the YMCA that's out yep. there, another school that's out there, the new LES facility. I mean, the the investment that's gone to that corner of town has just been amazing. And I, and I do think that's what our future looks like on South Beltway. I do think that's what our future is going to look like on on East Beltway and and North when we unravel that. It's look, Lincoln's got a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't want to lose uh, for all the time that I come on uh, programs like this and I say, hey, you know, here's how we can get that next step better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the momentum that this city has right now is really exciting. And I go to other cities and visit other cities. I hear from other people that do the same work that we do. And they're they're hitting roadblocks. They're they're not having the advancements that that Lincoln is. And I think it's important not to lose yeah. sight of that. Yeah, and I guess I mean the same thing could have been last year talking about that northwest area of town with you know the new school and kind of you know, mm-hmm. an area that's that's boomed. Yeah, I think really yeah. recently, and we'll continue uh, to as well. more business investment, more activity in Air Park, and and more home building out there. Yeah, I had the best case or my strongest desire for the East Beltway the other day because. 84th is closed, or it was when I was there at A Street. And if you're trying to go down 84th to get to the interstate, mm-hmm. you you can't go. Yeah. And so I made the I made the decision that I regret now of turning right and turning east in toward you know toward toward Walton 
And then I got on the gravel roads, 112th, all the way out to yeah. Waverly. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, and it took longer. I should have went, turned left and gone down 70th and went that way instead. But I, I did that. But I was like, man, there it is. There is the exact reason I would, if I had a pop right on there and then just go and then have the interchange with the interstate there at Waverly, I guess, or maybe even further down. But that was, uh, I, I renewed my desire for that based on that. I think a lot of people are right now. <laughs> I think I think most people are bought in. It, yeah. it, it really is. How are you, how are you gonna how are you gonna pay for the thing yeah. to get built? And I then most people are more bought in. I think people, more people are more bought in mm-hmm. just from the the logistics of driving on this and how it affects people. I think they're more bought in on the east than they are the than they than they were from the south. Not to say okay. that we didn't need the south. Yeah, I think Lincolnites are more bought in on the need for the east for for their own travel well i i think part of part of what contributes to that jack is they've seen the south beltway go in yeah. and they've seen the truck traffic come off of the uh the highway there. right um i will say that the big trick with east beltway because it's going to be twice as long and whose road is it going to be and and i think there are some voices uh in the conversation that want it to be a federalized road some mm-hmm. voices that that think it could be a state road um, I don't see how we could get it built locally. I think it's well beyond our, our local resources. <laughs> to do. budget, yeah. Um, and and the thing that made the South Beltway possible was being able to uh, take over, uh, uh, have the have the city take over. I can't even remember the name of the road now. The highway that's there, Highway Two, um, uh, Nebraska Parkway. Yes, there you yeah. go. Uh, I so, still call old highway too. That's that's still the nitro for. I struggle with that too. You're yeah. not the only one. Um, so it, having the city able to take over Nebraska Parkway and have the state now take over what is the South Beltway, mm-hmm. that's what enabled that deal to happen. And we don't have another easy analogous trade like right. that to make because it's really yeah. 84th street is the is is as close as you get to yeah. the one that's being affected yeah that people are using for the through from south to north or north to south that's right like they were using highway two so uh, well it's it's uh it's an interesting conversation let's get a quick update on some of the things that are happening here this summer for the chamber i know you told us told me a few weeks ago the, about the my turn program where you're you've got some of the interns that are in town for lincoln and you're kind of ingratiating them to yeah. to Lincoln even more in hopes that they're going to stick around here, right? Yeah. And having them kind of be together. Tell us a little bit about how that's going this summer so far. Awesome. Uh, we we had a huge group of people sign up for it. I think we've got something like 60 or 70 interns that have signed up for it. Oh, we had wow. a great time at the uh, Salt Dogs uh, ball game and they they came, they kind of met some folks. And, and again, the, the reason why we do this is we know that if we uh, give an intern uh, an opportunity to make friends and network outside of their own work experience, whether they're from Nebraska or Lincoln or anywhere else in the world that they've come here from. Um, we know that if they come here and have a good experience outside of the work context, they're going to be more apt to thinking about staying. And so we've got three more events coming up throughout the, the rest of the course of the summer just to get them together and get them exposed to the amazing things that, that Lincoln is. We'll talk a little bit about philanthropy and service. We'll talk about other non profits that they can work with uh we'll do a couple social things with them and it's going to be a good program this year and and if there's still people you know people know interns in town they can still get involved in this yet this summer absolutely so contact us you can find all our information at uh, lincoln chamber uh, lcoc.com as in lincoln chamber of commerce and uh look look up my the my turn program m-y-t-e-r-n as in intern because we're we're funny like that when we spell things so all right um and then the other thing is uh i 
I know we got a lot of small business people who who listen to to this show, and obviously you're you know a lot of them probably working with the chamber um, on a variety of things. But tell us a little bit about the Small Business Council and what this is. Yeah, so this is a group that we kicked off last year, my first year here back in town, um, wanting to create really some advisory um, perspective coming directly to me from small businesses in town. And so it's a group that gathered. We we met uh, just about every other month last year and um, just sat down over, over a lunch and kind of said, hey, what's going on? What are you mm-hmm. concerned about? What are your pain points? And it was everything from uh, still some post-COVID stuff early in the year last year to mm-hmm. – uh, construction challenges going on have mm-hmm. been have been issues for small business yeah. uh, downtown coming back or getting people to come to other places of town outside of downtown yeah. I, small the thing I love about small business is their their needs are so diverse and their 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 desires are so diverse because they are building their their dream right usually it's a we're talking about a very you know few number of people in these businesses they yeah. put their heart and soul into building something special and it's amazing when you see what uh, you know some of them can do like the uh, I, I think of what wax buffalo has done in, in terms of how they've built out the haymarket and they did the the outside um, the winter festival program that mm-hmm. they did last year like th- it adds an energy and perspective and a uniqueness of um, uh, really what makes lincoln yeah. different than any other city here uh, it really, so, it uh, really provides character, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Because I mean, you got and and look, the big businesses that are in that are present in multiple communities. That's that's great too. It's good they have their yep. role, but yep. you're right. That sort of defines the, you know, a, a a big part of the character and the neighborhoods and and those sorts of things as well. So, yeah. all right, hey, great conversation to Jason uh, today, Jason. I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to talking to you again here in a couple of weeks. All Jack, right? it's always an honor to be here with you on KLIN. Yeah, thank you for reminding me. All right, it's eight twenty-five on. Well, whatever you know, this KLIN. Why do you listen to KLIN? Let us know with a voice message in the free KLIN app. Waking babies in the North Bottoms and then helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska Volleyball, John Baylor. All right, welcome in. LNK today with Jack and Friends. On your Tuesday morning. And uh, the Jack Attack time. John Baylor joins us right now on LNK Today. Good morning, JB. How are you doing today? Jack Attack, I'm doing okay. Happy <laughs> Tuesday. It's beautiful out here. And uh, I, I like to help the morning traffic report on KLIN. I can uh, report that traffic is moving very well on 10th Street. That would be South 10th Street heading downtown. All right, thank you. That's good. That's, I'm glad it's. I'm glad it's moving uh, somewhere uh, well at this point here, and it's not not blocked by construction at least here at this point. Hey, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, and we'll get into sp- specifics about the schedule first, but. Um, there were. It, it seemed like there was some consternation about how long it was taking to get the schedule out this year, um, and I don't know. Was this abnormal for when it would normally come out, or is it just that we're just getting more and more impatient as a society? <laughs> it was a little uh, later than normal. I thought it was a lot later than normal. It was, uh, I was told, no, no, last year it came out in June as well, so a little bit later. But yeah, I think it helped people's uh, planning for the fall. Not to mention coaches planning for the fall. If they would come out a little bit sooner, right? Another uh, fish to fry in the Big Ten. So, 
Uh, I guess they were taking care of that first. But yeah, this, I mean, we're what, uh, two months before the first uh, non-conference matches? <laughs> yeah. Three months before the first conference matches, and we just learned where and when we're playing. Yeah, it's August 25th. Yeah, is the is that Friday, that first first game when, when Utah State comes in. Um so I'm I'm curious. So the non-conference slate has the, it's got the you know the regular kind of opening tournament or round robin thing Nebraska does this year. It's Lipscomb, yep. SMU, and Utah State. Then's the football stadium game, volleyball day Ooh. in Nebraska, and then you got uh, at Kansas State on the road, and then at home versus Creighton, Long Beach State at Stanford versus Kentucky. So this looks because you have some of the same opponents. This looks very similar to what. The kind of uh, the kind of uh, non conference schedule that Nebraska had last year, very rigorous. Well, uh, Kentucky, Louisville, and Stanford, uh, along with Nebraska, are in a four year arrangement. So we're going to see two of those three every single okay. year. And this year we got Kentucky, the twenty twenty national champs, and then we got Stanford, the eight time national champs, on the road. Yeah. Creighton at home. Uh, we got the football match, football stadium match. So. A really solid non-conference. I wouldn't want it any more rigorous because we know what happens in the Big Ten. So yeah. it's plenty rigorous. You just you, you're playing primarily to host a regional. I um, mean, we, we've seen the last couple of years how important that is. Yeah. So uh, you know, they're, they're, you just you can't. You just have to have as few losses as possible. So it's a plenty rigorous non-conference for Nebraska, and I wouldn't go a lot tougher than that. Is, uh, I don't know much about Long Beach State. They're coming here. Were they on the schedule Tyler, last year? Tyler Hill. Oh, that's Hildebrand. That's he right. That's he right. was there last That's why, year. yeah. And don't call them the 49ers. They have changed their name oh, really? to... What? The Beach. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're called the, the Beach. Like with a the in front of it? Yeah, I think that's right. I gotta do some research, but I'm in the ballpark. But I remember I called them the 49ers, but boy, was that so 1990s. Okay. The beach. Yeah, they, they, I like that. Yeah, I think it's the beach. Oh, yes. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's, that's Tyler Hillerbrand coming back. And then I turn to the conference schedule and, and it, I'll, I'll go through some of, you know, what the double plays are. This strikes yes. me it's about as difficult as possible. Uh, in Which, terms of a schedule, and it's not me saying they're getting you know screwed or anything like that, but you've got no, no, you've got Wisconsin twice, you've yep. got Minnesota twice at the very beginning and at the Whoa. very end, and then you've got Penn State twice. Whoa! You do not have Ohio State twice, and I'm not sure who else I should consider as kind of that. The, the Purdue. maybe Purdue. That's a that's a single two, but Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, both twice, and then. Wrapping up the season, the reverse of what you had last year at Wisconsin and at Minnesota. Yeah. So, well, it's about as difficult we, as it gets. We got the big three, and people are thinking, well, what about Ohio State? They're going to fall, and that's falling off a cliff. But they lost all those seniors who have, have transferred elsewhere. They had a fifth year, but um, you know, Jen Flynn, the head coach, honored her scholarship offers to all these incoming freshmen. Now, of course, there's going to be a great incoming freshman class, but they're very young. So this should be a down year for, for Ohio State. I mean, they should be kind of bottom of the top 10, you know, maybe top 15 program uh, this year. So we only get them once. Purdue has had a fabulous recruiting class, but they lost a couple of huge seniors for the second straight year. So I think they're going to be in a similar, you know, top 15 status. But Penn State reloaded, yeah. and Minnesota's always tough. But they're under a new coach, and they lost some of their top 
recruits. Remember, we got Lainey Choboy, mm-hmm. uh, who decommitted from Minnesota, and she's a top player on the country, and she's going to be in the back row for Nebraska now. And so they should be down uh, a little bit. But Wisconsin, oh, my goodness, they're – they're at least as strong as they were last year. Um, well, it's it's interesting how it sets up, JB, because like go you go September the twelfth to September thirtieth, uh, or September twenty ninth, I should say, uh, and you go at Stanford, Kentucky, within five days to finish up the non con, and then another five days later, Ohio State, Minnesota come in over the weekend, and then the next weekend you go to Purdue, um, and so that's in. I mean that, and that's to basically kick off the season. So you have an I love it. You have an early gauntlet there, and you're going to learn about a lot about the team by the end of September. You're going to have a a good idea about how Nebraska is doing against the top competition. And we could have four freshmen in the rotation of seven. We could have four true freshmen in the rotation of seven, maybe three, probably three, but a shot at four. So uh, yeah, they're going to be tested early, but God, they're fun to watch. And you just, there's such high hopes. There's a whole jolt of energy on this team uh, this year. They seem to be getting along great. And they got the two captains already named. Yeah. This is just such a fun team at this early stage. I mean, it's early. It's very, very early. I think even the season hasn't even started. So this is the definition of early. (laughs) But uh, you gotta, you gotta be excited about these players. Um. Yes, Nebraska named uh, named their captains, and uh, that. Let's see. I'm trying to. You know, it, it was Lexi, Lexi Rodriguez, and it was Merritt Beeson, right? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Lexi Rodriguez, and and uh, yeah. So uh, uh, not Bergen Riley, but the uh, transfer Beeson. from Florida. Beeson. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. She's going to be the. That's pretty remarkable. Now she was a captain last year at Florida as a sophomore, but she's only been here for. Four months, five, all right, six months, but yeah, yeah, she's been here six months, but still, that's that's uh, that's saying something. But they've been together so long. Remember, they had the beach season, then they had the indoor season, then they went to Brazil. I mean, they've gotten to know each other, so um, they made their choices early. And and uh, there's, but there's so much leadership. I mean, Lindsey Krause has been around forever. Ali Batenor has been around um, for Rebecca. Alec is precocious. I mean, she's. You know, wise beyond her years. She'll just be a sovereign. There's going to be a ton of leadership on the floor. And in years past, that has been a question. I don't think there'll be one now. I think there'll be a bunch of leaders in each other's faces when they struggle to really pull themselves together and pull themselves out of it. Have you, uh, have you talked to Coach since they came back from Brazil? I saw you got a soccer jersey I, there. I have. Yeah. yeah he's got, he's got a, a Brazilian cowboy hat. <laughs> Uh, he's got a soccer jersey. Yeah, you, got, you, you, you can only, when, when you're Coach Cook traveling on one of these foreign trips, you, you don't want a full bag when you leave because when you arrive, you know, you're going to be accumulating all these gifts. And I remember when we were in China once, uh, you know, their coaches there used to smoke during the matches. And so then we went out afterwards and a lot of toasts were made. And I don't think anyone really understood each other very well, but let's just say it was a better time between nations. Because <laughs> uh, at least that evening, everyone got along just fine. Uh, yeah, that's that's fine. It, uh, it what could you? I mean, I heard we heard him talk a, l- a little bit about it, but and, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit the last time we took. But now that the trip is over, and of course they were successful, and 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 that's probably not the story. What happens in the wins losses in, in these matches? Mm-hmm. But well, could you get any sense of what he learned about the team and learned about kind of? What the what the rotation might be and what the big questions are in fall camp from that trip? Uh, no, not yet. I think it's a, it's a little early, but he's got a better idea. But yeah, questions, et cetera. 
are real and middle are real and on the left side. I mean, basically only the right side and the back row at this point are pretty uh, understood. But uh, um, you, you got fall camp. You got all, you know, you got camps uh, with the kids. So there's going to be plenty more opportunities to assess who's going to get playing time. But I, I can't recall a team with this kind of depth and this kind of competition and so few jobs. I mean, basically the barrow and the first middle and the right side are the jobs that are established at this point where we know who's going to be playing. Which three, is cr- three out of seven. It's, it's just crazy to hear you say that because if you don't follow, you know, the roster changes during the offseason, like you said, you know, you're going to recognize three, four names that are in it probably in the rotation regularly, but there'll be more names that you haven't heard before than you have probably with this whole thing. Yeah, complete overhaul. I mean, you got nine returning uh, players and uh, actually eight returning players, um, five true freshmen and, and the transfer. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it's, it's as much an overhaul as, as we've seen, but a lot of talent and a lot of uh, competition. And he's going to keep his, his assessments close to the vest, but, I mean, also, I, we can't comment on this, but just this this already the number four and the number five recruit in the 2025 class. These are juniors to be in high school know, have already committed this. to Nebraska. The number one libero in the state out of Lincoln Lutheran's committed to Nebraska. I mean, folks, don't take this for granted. This is the extended golden age of Nebraska volleyball. It started in 2015, and you got to be kidding me. This is eight years later, and it it's showing no signs of waning. Another number one Eight setter. Yeah, another number one setter yeah. too. Um, yeah, it's it's the, the 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 ability to recruit and consistently still get that kind of a class is is amazing. Look, there's there's a high basement for Nebraska volleyball, no matter what, especially under head coach John Cook. But you know, there have been some ups and downs. Uh, there's been some standard deviation. Over the years, sure. and Stanford's had some big time ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, it's really difficult in a sport to sustain it. This is going to be the ninth straight year with these kind of national championship aspirations that are plausible. It's not just talk that are plausible, and there's no end in sight because you know everyone's back next year, so that's year ten in a row. It's just really something, and you know, ten years of sustained kind of top five level performance in any sport is pretty remarkable. So I know Husker fans won't take it and they're not taking it for granted, but just remember that. It was only a couple of years ago. They had Kevin Hambly as an analyst for the NCAA tournament. Cause he wasn't in it with Stanford. Excellent uh, point. I, I remember that they brought or on the studio show. They'd bring him in. And I think it was the year that they did the, you know, the pandemic version where it felt like a club tournament. I think that's that was when he did that. Yeah, and the first question was, Coach, where's your team? He's like, they're in finals. <laughs> right. Taking very, does anyone remember? Taking very difficult finals. Classes, classes yeah. matter. How did I not ask about this yet, but what does it mean to add Jordan Larson to the uh, to the coaching staff? Well, we just got to remind ourselves, she's not here to play. Everyone's <laughs> extremely excited. I'm like, hold on. Does everyone realize could, she's not going to be putting on the jersey? Could she put like a fake mustache on, right? <laughs> like in <laughs> Lord and Jarson? She's a, she's, a, she's a coach. I mean, and it's a, fabulous because of the help she's going to provide, as if Nebraska needs it, the help she's going to provide recruiting. Because you talk to yeah. you know, 16-year-olds, I mean, she's a legend. And I'm not sure they really saw her play, but there's YouTube. So you can kind of see her play when she was at least in Nebraska, but they can still see her play, obviously, for the Olympic team and the national team. Right. Uh, but uh, she will really help recruiting. 
I think um, she'll be such a presence. I think opposing players are going to be asking her for autographs after matches. I mean, it's it's pretty cool stuff. But she's a first-year assistant coach. Let's just remember that. And yeah. there are not a lot of legends who have been fabulous coaches. Good point. All righty. I can think of only one right now. Let's see. His who? first name is Larry. Was he a fabulous coach? Uh, yeah. I, I ha- uh, yes. Uh, Pacers to the NBA championship. Indiana. Yeah. Four years Indiana, got him to a chance. And the Pacers were horrible before he got there, and they, they were horrible after he left. Yeah. yeah, he's a fabulous coach, but Larry's back. He couldn't sit on those dogs on buses and airplanes. And, and the next one is Coach Prime. That's number two. Who's that? <laughs> coach Prime, Deion Sanders. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, exactly. If, if he's a third as good as his talk, the buffs are back. Yeah. <laughs> but the, Bill Russell was great, too. That's he true. got to play himself. Remember, he got to play himself. That helped. <laughs> But that you bring up an interesting, an interesting. Caleb and I were talking about this. Very rarely do you have, and and John Cook referenced this too. Although he mentioned like players that were retired, he said that's like bringing Michael Jordan in to coach Husker basketball. Yeah, well, it's like bringing Michael Jordan in in 1998 to coach Husker basketball is what it's like. Um, and 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 so you've got a player who is still right you know not play still playing and not far from the peak of her career if not at it at this point and 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 number one it'll be interesting because that'll that'll allow for some she's still gonna have an interesting schedule i'm sure still this summer training i know she's injured and then you're gonna have qualifying and then you'll have the olympics next summer but as you pointed out the other thing is if you're a volleyball player, you're definitely watching the U.S. team in the Olympics. And yep. imagine imagine a few months before that, she was in your living room, right? Yeah, but what if she can play in the red-white game? That'll be a hot ticket. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They bring in the alums. Well, and, and we've, we've seen the assistant coaches take some swings. Yeah, that's true. And uh, she'll have good excuses to miss matches. Well, i got to go play China right now. See you guys next Wednesday. Yeah. That's true. That's true. You don't need a, a note for that kind of thing. But yeah, a, uh, a great get, a, a cool deal here, and yeah, and a good reminder is that yeah, we'll have a big focus on on uh, the Olympic team and and uh, that whole thing. It'd be nice to see USA do well in that. Uh, all right, as they did, man. Yeah, coming off gold, so I like their chances again, especially with Jordan back. It's just stunning in her late thirties she can play at the Olympic level in this sport. And people think, well, Tom Brady did at 45. Well, he's quite an aberration playing guys who were born after uh, with guys who were born after he started playing in the NFL. But he also has kind of avoided a lot of contact and there's not a ton of wear and tear on his knees, on yep. his joints, on his hips. There's certainly some. And, and Jordan, every play in volleyball, you're up and down. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. You're up and down and you got to back up and you're always low to the ground. I mean, the, the, the stress on joints is yep. just stunning. And these players are out of it in their early 30s at the latest. And yep. here she is in her late 30s, and she's a, a favorite to start on the team. Yeah. Uh, she, she's in the conversation for the greatest all-around player in the history of the sport. Really? That's, that's Absolutely. interesting. Wow. Absolutely. What, what's her weakness? She, she I, was I, an amazing setter in, I'm sorry, server in college. She's still a great server, though she doesn't jump off the floor anymore. Uh, un- great attacker, unbelievable passer, unbelievable digger, fabulous blocker. There's no weakness in her game ever. You are still witnessing. She's still active in the conversation with the greatest all-around volleyball players in history of sport. Wow. 
Well, good thing they got her as a coach then. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice work, yeah. And, and now good. she's picking up the phone and calling up, you know, 14-year-olds right. and Seems asking good. Seems good. Uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go now because I'm sure it's straight on to prep for Utah State and Lipscomb right now, delving deep into the roster and the backstories on these two schools. I'm I'm fumbling on Long Beach's precise nicknames. We speak. I think it's the beach, but I'll tell you this: Utah State, the Aggies. Yes, I'm already on top of it. You got it. You got it. August 25th. It won't be long till it's here. JB, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, Caleb, I'm going to be out, but Caleb will talk to you next week if it all no. works out. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be out. I'll take, Iron Man. Yeah, I'll take some, taking some days off, but Caleb will be with you and uh, and you guys You've have a good time. Them. Yeah. You've earned them. Just when you're around your family, wear a name tag. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, JB. I appreciate it. We'll talk right, to you later. John Baylor, voice of Nebraska ball. All-time Greatest volleyball player, all around volleyball player, all around. I just don't know the con- like. I don't know the context and the history of the sport enough to Sick. comment on that. But if that's true, uh, it even heightens the amount of a coup that exactly. this is. Eight fifty four K L I N. You're listening to LNK today with Jack and friends on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three K L I N. All right. Thank you to. John Baylor, for joining us here on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Uh, thanks to uh, Joe Jordan, Jason Ball joining us as well. Busy day here with the guests. And uh, Caleb, you take over at the helm. What do you have in store for people over the course of the next few next two weeks while I'm gone. Well, show's going to run pretty much the the way it normally does. We might bounce a couple of other guests into some open segments. The Tomorrow is already full, though. We get to Chaps. The mayor is going to be coming in as well. Mayor Leary and Gaylor Baird. And then, of course, John Bishop after what has been one of the best first four days of the College World Series, especially since they moved over to the new ballpark. Every game been within three runs? I know it was last night. Yeah, I'll have to I, check. Uh, yeah, it was. Yes, it yes, they were since then. Yeah, because it was six to four and three to two. Okay. Yeah, the streak continues. That's that's made it really compelling. So good. All right. So what chaps you hide with Caleb and uh, Mark? Mark's flights were were he was in the air when we talked to him over the Atlantic Ocean. Yep. So uh, he is. I going got to an be email. Back in Lincoln. He's back. He emailed us, of course, from the flight. He's resting. He's yes. good. So he will be back tomorrow, so we'll trade him in for me. Some people will be very happy about how that trade goes. <laughs> uh, We're but, trading up. But we will we'll have Mark back, um, yeah, and and uh, some fun with it. And then that leads us to Thursday, Ticket Thursday, and Friday is then still going to be Request Line Friday. Yep, still going to be Request Line Friday. Those songs for summer, tell us those memories, what that song makes you think of. Uh, summer officially begins tomorrow, and looking ahead to the next week, that'll be the last Friday going into the Independence Day weekend. So we'll get to America in a week and a half. All right. Oh yeah, I love the, the patriotic, the America. What, however, that's defined for people. And I like I, uh, just America. Yeah, I have the montage of the national anthems already queued up and ready to go. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be. Um, yeah, that's oh yeah, you did that last year. I forgot. That was awesome. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. So if you're thinking about requesting national anthem in any of its forms, we're gonna start the show and end the show with that. Okay, that's good. Plus it's always awkward to play the national anthem because you feel like you shouldn't 
I gotta play the whole thing. Like we play clips of songs, but like I feel like that's inappropriate. National so, anthem, you gotta hit the whole thing. Maybe. So so at seven ten, that's how we'll start playing the music, and then we'll close out the blitz with right. the national anthem as well. Hey everybody, since I won't have another chance to tell you this, be safe with fireworks. Don't do anything stupid. Consider how much you like having your fingers, your eyes, those sorts of things. Because when I come back, I want all of you in one piece. I will be back Thursday, July sixth. Thursday, July sixth. And uh, thank you for for allowing me to take some time off. I appreciate it. We will see you then. It is nine o'clock on KLIN Lincoln. From the Momo Pizzeria and Risk.